Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Overcomers and I'm your host Dorothy Odell for this evening. I want to kick off this off by saying thank you so much to our sponsor of the show, Be Oily with Bonnie, for all your doTERRA oil needs. Get a hold of her at 1-810-414-0929 or go to her website beoilywithbonnie.com today. This episode is could cause trigger warnings. Just want to put that out there. Uh, we are kicking this off uh, the month of May with mental health awareness, and I thought, what power? What a powerful way to bring men onto the show because um, men deal with issues too, and they just don't talk about it. But I am super excited uh, to bring to the stage Drew, Mark, and Andrew Masonville. To the show um welcome guys is i am uh excited to have you here this is going to be a powerful episode and uh you know a lot of men deal suffer in silence um you know women have a tendency to talk more where men don't and all of you have i've, I've been associated with all of you over the at least the last six months and um it's it's becoming very apparent that um you know men Men need help too, as well, and that's why I brought you men here together. So, uh, Drew, if you could start us off by sharing a little bit about your story, who you are, and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Uh, I uh, began my my professional career in healthcare for 24 years, and uh, after I I left unceremoniously here, and my life began to to change. And uh, I always start my. Uh, Story is saying in July of 2015, I learned from my best friend that my wife was going to leave me. We went through three years of mediation to keep the kids out of the court system. And in April 2018, my divorce was final. Threw myself my own 50th birthday party on October 6, 2018. Uh, a week later, or two weeks later, actually, I was let go from my job. I had reported a HIPAA violation, and two weeks later, I was uh, let go. Ten days after that, my son had suicidal ideation. Um, I was with him for 40 days straight until we found him some help. And then Christmas Eve in 2018, my father passed away. So my message really uh, is that things happen uh, all around us. It's inevitable. It's part of life. Uh, our thoughts about those external circumstances really dictate our next course of action. And in 2018, like I told you, four major life events tested me. My divorce, for which I blame my wife. My job firing, for which I blame my boss. My son's mental wellness issues, for which I blame myself. And the death of my father, for which I blame God. Challenged me to learn more about myself. And I want to let you know that for 20 years, more than 20 years, I wasn't really living life. I was going through the motions. Um, did you know that 95% of our brain activity is unconscious? We are on autopilot for most of our waking hours. How many of you have ever felt like your life was on autopilot? How many of you ever suffered in silence? How many of you are sick and tired of living with me? I know I am. I learned that I forgot how to really listen to somebody. I forgot how to be my true self. I lost my authenticity. Empathy abandoned me. I lost my self-identity. I knew I had to do something or else I was going to give up on life. I began telling my story to anybody who would listen. It was cathartic. It helped me heal. I no longer felt alone. I've, I found clarity of purpose in my life. Things I once saw as barriers became opportunities. I took action. 
I changed many things in my life, and I'll share three of them with you here. First, I replaced regret with forgiveness, so I no longer lived in the past. Second, I replaced fear with desire and faith, so I no longer worried about the future. And finally, I replaced my victim mindset with gratitude, so I'd be anchored in the present moment, and I'm still a work in progress. Are you ready to learn more later so you can begin writing your own story instead of having others write it for you? Are you ready to begin now? Choose wisely because there's no better gift than the present. What I do now, um, I'm a chief resilience officer with Profit Compassion. I empower men to be a better version of themselves. Encouraging men to shift their mindset by sharing their story empowers them to improve self-awareness and begin to practice self-care, all to boost self-confidence. This is important because isolation and conformity kill desire and faith. I'm known as the men's real catalyst speaker. I'm a mindset mentor, and I host two compelling podcasts, and I have a book coming out called I'll Have What She's Having, Memoir of a Reformed People Pleaser. Thank you so much. Thank you, Drew, for sharing your story. And sorry, guys, Mark had to leave. Mark um, is a fireman uh, out in Lakeland or around the Lakeland area, Florida, Florida, Lakeland, Florida area. And uh, he's actually at work. And I thought, great, if he could join us, um, because part of what he's going through, his department has lost six guys recently within their department due to suicide. So it, I know that his story is powerful, um, but he is at work. And uh, if he can come back, great. If not, well, as you heard the beep, 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 that was them getting a call. So um, I, I just messaged him and if he can come back, great. But if not, we totally understand. But I plan on having Mark back um, uh, at some point because I mean, to have lose six guys to suicide in a short period of time, not only, you know, is, is that um, hard on the department, it's, it's hard on the families. And when you're a first responder, um, you know, they all work together as a family. So those, those six families lives were affected on top of, um, you know, being in that, in the firehouse uh, as well. So uh, if he can come back, great. If not, then we're definitely going to have him come back. But Andrew, uh, Super excited to have you on. Andrew is actually local. Uh, so I'm excited to have a, a local um, local person as well. So Andrew, tell us a little bit about your story. Well, I mentioned earlier that I was a lifestyle coach, but I wasn't always a lifestyle coach. Um, I was a broken person, uh, just trying to find my way for a long time. Um, and, you know, I, I don't have much time to tell you my life story, but I'll, I'll get right into the, uh, the part that I believe really changed me. Um, we were having twin boys and one, we, we ended up losing one of them. Um, tragically, they blamed us for the death of my son. And so we got, we lost our kids. We lost everything. Um, I wasn't able to keep the house anymore. Uh, so in the end, they convinced the mother to, if she ever wanted a chance to get the kids back, that she had to leave or, or separate from me. So because the, they just wanted, like I had a, uh, some issues back in the day when I was younger. So they profiled me and decided to go that route. Um, so, you know, think of yourself as a man. You have a family, you have a home, and now you have nothing. And I lost my dignity. I lost everything. And now I find myself in a student room, no kids, no house, no woman. And I'm wondering, you know, is this it? And I remember I was partying. Um, I turned to drinking. I turned to drugs. 
And um, I, the only thing I lived for was to party and get away and, and just try to escape my pain. But every time I had to face myself again by myself, uh, I didn't want to live. So suicide was looming over me every day. Depression was through the roof. Uh, ended up turning to the medical system for a while. Those meds made me a lot worse, uh, pushed me closer to suicide. And, um, you know, we had to go through court for those two years and only to, you know, get cleared by the coroner finally after two years. So, uh, you know, we knew we didn't do anything, but they still put us through the ringer. And so by the end of it, we come on the other side, we get our kids back. But I don't know if you know this, but when you go through something like that, your family never recovers. So we, we got the kids back, my, my daughter, my son, my remaining son. Um, but, you know, we were robbed of our opportunity to grieve for my son, Jaden. Um, we were robbed of our opportunity to grieve for the destruction of our family. And so when we came back, it was a rushed process. And we fought, we argued, uh, we couldn't get along. And ultimately, uh, we had to make the decision to, to leave each other. And, you know, it's not about me or her being toxic. It's about what happened and the toxicity it created. So that put me on a path by myself um, for a while. And, you know, I started doing videos in 2017. The videos made me feel better, but I didn't realize I was starting to impact other people. So once someone showed up on, on my uh, doorstep and gave me a hug and told me, you know, you're, you're really helping me. Um, changed my life. Thank you so much. And they were crying. That made me responsible. And I had to make a decision right then and there, stop or go all the way. So I did go all the way. And I realized that while I'm healing other people, I'm also healing myself. Just right now saying this, I'm healing and I feel it. And um, I'm not afraid to get vulnerable. I'm not afraid to, to cry on air or, or in person. Um, but, you know, Life is really tough. I was going to check out, guys, and um, I decided to fight, and I started incorporating healthy health and fitness. Uh, for a while, I didn't and slipped and got really big, and I was 334 pounds, but um, I fought. I got it off, and now I'm in the best shape of my life, uh, thanks to Jermaine, of course, and, um, you know, where I'm at now, sky's the limit. And now I'm in a world where I can help teens. I can influence them to steer off on the right path and not make the mistakes that I made when I was younger. And um, I realized that, you know, I may have been a, abusive verbally and physically at one time towards women, towards men, towards any, anybody, not kids, of course. But um, I was really abusing myself. And I wasn't facing the voids that I had. And I, I led a life where I was trying to fill those voids uh, for years. Mm -hmm. And once you lose something, you can't fill it again. So um, I just want to say that where I'm at now, I'm very happy. And um, I'm very content. My peace of mind is through the roof. And, um, you know, I love making food for people. And I also take a piece of my life coaching and put it into the food. I leave little inspirational notes on the boxes that I, that I give to people. Uh, anything I do is is to inspire and uplift others. So that's where I'm at now. And I'm grateful because I was ready to check out. Thank you so much, Andrew, for sharing that story. That is powerful. And guys, if you're in the Windsor area, um, 
Windsor, Ontario area, uh, definitely you got to get the experience that Andrew offers with his chicken wings. Uh, my husband and I had them last Saturday. And when he showed up at the door, he was right there. Inspiration sayings on the packages. I still have those packages because they're reusable. <laughs> So each time we go to use these packages, you know, my, my husband will see those messages. So thank you. Uh, and the, the wings are truly an experience. You might even, Drew, you might even have to come to Windsor, Ontario. I, think to, I may have to. Right. To get the experience, the complete experience. So uh, definitely. Thank you both for being vulnerable enough to share your, your complete story. Um, and that is why we're here, guys. That's This is why... I wanted to kick um, this month off mental health awareness month with such powerful stories. Um, and as women, I don't think we realize the um, just what it is that men go through. Right. And yes, uh, you know, losing and interest. I am so sorry for the loss of your son. Um, and as, as a woman, you know, she handles it differently than a man than a man would And hearing how, um, you know, your side of the story, which men, don't like to talk about their feelings usually has been my experience. Um, and I'm really wanted to bring light um, to, to this situation so that as women, we understand what it is that you guys are going through. Um, you know, it's, it's not to say that we, we know that you go, go through something, but you guys don't talk about it usually. Uh, and it's hard for a woman to say, okay, um, you know, and, and sometimes when you guys don't talk, it we shut down because we we don't know how like we're fixed well of speaking for myself i'm a fixer so i want to make sure that my spouse is a okay that he's great and that everything's wonderful and i don't know if you don't talk about it with me i don't know how to fix it and i don't know um you know what to do so that's why we're here sharing this so that each of us understand coming from both sides both, both of the sexes coming, you know, instead of the battle of the sexes, we're going to help. We're going to help because this, I want to reverse the battle of the sexes. I want to bring us together. Right. And, and I, I heard the saying this week and I absolutely love it. Healing is sexy, no matter if you're a man or woman. Right. And, and so by men being, could you imagine if the entire world was healed, what our life would be like, what our world would be like? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> And that's what, be the change. That's my message. That's what the message I've been getting is be the change. So uh, that's why I, I had you guys here. So what in, so Drew, I'll ask you first, what is, when you were going through those things like your divorce and your dad dying and your son, um, you know, uh, attempting to kill himself, did you feel that you had any support? Um, I knew I did have support i didn't feel like i did and that's us playing with our own minds um you know we we create our own narrative in our brain so i i at the time didn't realize my brain was a tape recorder so any negative thought i was thinking or anything i was saying i've learned now that our subconscious just knows us mm -hmm. it doesn't know the difference between us and other people so when i'm blaming other people my brain thought i was blaming me and the more you say that kind of stuff, the more it anchors, the more you believe it, and you end up creating a habit. Mm -hmm. So, no, I didn't think I had support. Uh, I, I also shunned my support system. I turned away from God because I blame God for taking my father. Yeah. I, you know, I 
did blame my wife for the divorce. Um, it takes a hundred percent effort on both sides in a, in a marriage. So I now know I played a major part in, you know, that, um, I, so no, I really thought I was on an Island all by myself. Right. Okay. And I'm Jermaine is uh, just popped up. So I just want to bring Jermaine into this conversation. Uh, so we are, we are recording. Uh, Jermaine, I know has been on our show on episode 99, but his story is so impactful. And we're here today to talk about, uh, we're starting off May with uh, Me Mental Health Awareness Month. And I thought, what a great way to, like I said, if you're just joining us uh, for the first time, what a great way to bring men into this equation because men gen generally don't talk. Uh, so Jermaine, if you could share your story, um, because I know you are, your story is powerful too. And, you know, what it is that you've gone through and the mental, what it's taken emotionally and mentally uh, for you to get to where you're at. So if you could briefly share your story. Well, at, uh, at first, I'm going to take you back to my childhood. And uh, I was 18 years old and I received a phone call from uh, one of my sister's friends. And she said that uh, they couldn't find her. So right away, I was like, what do you, what do you mean you, couldn't, you can't find her? So eventually we found out that my sister, well, my sister went to the, uh, whatever, they, she went swaying with them and uh, she ended up drowning. So that was a, a big hit on me at, eight, at 18 years old. And then uh, following year as well, my father had, passed away suddenly too. So within a two year span, you know, my life was, was turned upside down. And uh, I tried to think about ways to, to overcome it, to, uh, to just feel better about myself. And, uh, you know, and at that, and at that point in time, this was, you know, 20 something years ago, uh, you know, like counseling and all of that was, it was kind of, it was done, but unheard of, especially with our community. So I never really spoke to anybody about this, you know, and, and it, it took years upon years to get through it because at, at the point in time, I, I tried to get through it really quickly and I tried to block it and I tried to block it by playing sports. And cause I was always in sports, which was a good outlet for me. And it kept me from doing things that was going to hurt myself for sure. Kept me on the positive note but it still didn't allow me to deal with, which was uh, deeper that I kind of suppressed. And uh, as you, you know, years went by, uh, I got to about, you know, so this is happening between 18 and 20. And uh, about 12 years later, my mom had got sick and she passed away. And it was, uh, it was uh, Christmas, it was Christmas and uh, that was too unexpected. I didn't, I didn't expect anything like that. My mom hasn't really been sick, and it was it was just something that just happened quickly. And uh, at that point too, I still was almost still grieving from when I was eighteen and nineteen. Like my heart didn't feel full. It felt like there still was a void. And when I would uh, reminisce, I would get kind of emotional and stuff like that. 
But, you know, when I did get emotional and I did release it, it did make me feel better. Um, so now it takes me to now we're taking me to now, which I was uh, 2020 and I got diagnosed with cancer. And uh, at that point in time, uh, I, I didn't know what to do, but I knew I was going to keep fighting. I knew I was, I, I made a vow to myself that I would be the most optimistic person with cancer. And I said, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, I'll brace it all, I'll learn from every situation. And that mindset allowed me to, like, I feel like it, it helped me battle with the cancer. Not battle, it kind of, like, I, I never looked at it as like F cancer. Or, I just looked at it as what can I learn? What should I do? And as I kept going through the process, I learned more. And then people would say, man, that's, it's, man, it must suck that you gotta go to the hospital all the time and be at the hospital. And I just looked at it, I said, you know what? I said, I'm getting a medical degree. So I get to spend a lot of time with doctors, specialists. I would never have got that opportunity before. And uh, I said, I've learned so much about my form of cancer from my studying and I honestly feel like I do got a degree in that subject because as much as I study, you know, I have other degrees as well that I went to school for, but this one was more practical. You know, I was actually hands-on, I was, I was the patient. And how much more am I gonna be invested into the patient? So that's what I just kept doing. I kept thinking positive thoughts, kept thinking about what is it that I need to do? Is it something internally is it something that I went through that created this? Is it something that's unresolved? So it made me go a little bit deeper. It made me reflect on life. It made me have these uh, deep conversations with myself, you know, and ask myself, you know, why am I here? What's my purpose? Uh, what makes you agitated? What makes you angry? You know, almost, you know, going through every emotion that I had, and, uh, and trying to deal with it. And even though at the point in time, maybe I don't want to deal with it. Maybe this is from a 20 years past. Maybe this is trauma from when I was 18 years old and now I'm 45 years old. Maybe this is trauma that I had when I was 32 years old, right? Maybe these are unresolved issues and I just want to get to the deep root of the problem, you know? So I don't, I don't want to mask it. I don't want to cover it. So I tell people all the time now, uh, even though that I still do treatment, I still have this cancer that is, they see it's treatable, but it's not curable. You know, and I, and I told my doctor anyway, I said, honestly, I'm going to cure it. Just to be honest. Mm -hmm. I said, I said, I have no doubt in my mind. I don't want to focus on curing it. I want to focus on the lesson. I want to focus what I can learn from this. I can focus on, and, th and this could be a blessing in itself. You know, I get to learn about myself. I would have never, this never would have never happened. I would have never took no time to actually learn myself, to get to know myself, to ask myself, to question myself, because it's we're just keep moving. You know, in life, you just keep moving fast. You know, you don't get any time to process any information. And when I was in the hospital, I got a chance to process information. I got a chance to appreciate life. I got a, pre I got a chance to have gratitude. You know, like just going outside in the fresh air, like I told plenty of people before, it felt great. 
it felt great to walk because at one point in time it was it was gone for a few weeks i couldn't really move and all those things i started to appreciate and not take for granted so in in a way it changed my life and it's not i don't look at it as changed my life for bad it changed my life for the good right it, it made me the person that i was meant to be and i got the opportunity to be this person earlier compared to later because sometimes people when they get on their their dying days they can't do anything about it but i still have a good chance to do a lot of things about it and i got a lot of things that i can share with others and to uh bring more awareness to cancer and i you know i told people i said i'm the ambassador of cancer in canada i am they said well there's no such position but i said i'll make it one so i'm the ambassador and then by being ambassador i gotta go do what i have to do to bring enlightenment to cancer and to change the narrative about cancer and to actually uh build something and do something a different way so we can actually be able to treat this and cure this absolutely thank you so much Charmaine, for sharing your story and how powerful that is and i noticed the connection between all three of you guys is that at first you know it was a, a different mindset uh, you know, you, you definitely went through a mindset shift from blaming to taking on ownership and, and really um, empowering yourself instead of being the victim. So uh, that was that was like all the way through and, and kudos for you for for, you know, taking taking that step in each of your journeys uh, and realizing that it started with you. And, you know, uh, and the reason why we're here today is because guys just really don't talk about their problems usually has been my experience and that's why we wanted to uh you know each one of you has such a unique story that you're bringing to the table and the things that you went through like drew i know jermaine's just coming on so drew uh, you know went through a divorce he went through losing his dad his son uh tried to commit suicide and all of that uh and, and got a divorce lost his job uh you know, it's wrongfully. Um, and then Andrew's story, you know, losing a son and then him and his wife being blamed for, uh, for the death of his children until it found out that, or his child, um, and then finding out after years of hell that, wait a minute, no, they, they weren't the ones to do that. And then Jermaine, you know, all that loss at such a young age, uh, and then getting cancer, um, but thriving through it all. And I, the whole reason why I started this show was to give a platform for people to share their story so that under the people listening could understand, wait, you know, I'm going through that too. And I don't give up, you know, that there's always somebody that is going through something, but um, don't make one, a huge decision in the moment to end it because you think it's too hard. Um, and with 136 people dying by suicide per day, um, you know, and, and it could be any one of the combinations of, of what you gentlemen have been talking about, you know, that could easily have taken somebody else out. Um, but you guys all decided, though, I'm staying, I'm fighting and for what I believe in and fighting for others. And that's why we're here today. Um, and so by sharing your stories, um, how each one of you said it has healed you in some way, you know, to, to be able to do that. And so what would you say to the, the man that's listening to this and, or his spouse that's listening to this, that they can think, okay, well, wait a minute. If I 
did this or this differently, how could that have helped my spouse? So um, by sharing your stories, what is the one thing that you uh, want other guys to take away from this? The guy that's like, oh, I'm too, you know, I don't want, nobody needs to hear my story. Nobody, you know, I don't want to talk about it. What is, what would you say to that man right now that is hurting and in pain and suffering in silence? What would you say to that one what man right now? Drew, we'll start with you. Uh, first thing I would ask is, are you living life as the victim? If the answer is yes, then that's check number one. Are you living life with regret? If the answer is yes, that's check number two. Are you living life with fear? Fear of the future. If the answer is yes, that's check number three. Those three things are what I addressed. And when you put gratitude into your life for the things we're grateful for, and I'm talking about everything, things that we take for granted, I started to replace my victim mindset with gratitude, which started to anchor me in the present moment. And when you think about it, guys, when you regret something, you're regretting something in the past that occurred. You can't change that. So if you forgive yourself for anything you may have done and forgive others for the error of the ways because they, they know not what they do, that forgiveness started getting me away from depression because depression is more often than not caused by regret of the past. Anchoring gratitude and, and forgiveness allowed me to look forward, and I began to replace my fear. If you're the future, we can't change that either. So I replaced fear with desire and faith. First two chapters of, of Napoleon Hill's um, Think and Grow Rich. Um, desire, what I want to be, who I want to be, and the faith that I'm going to be that. And just you think about what you do for your brain. We talked before, your brain's a tape recorder. So imagine living as a victim with regret and fear and replacing that with gratitude, forgiveness, desire, and faith. It changes the recording. And, that, uh, and, and it's something you guys can start doing right away. Love that. Andrew, what would you say to the guys that are hearing this podcast right now? Um, to just to be able to for them to start to open up i would say to start within themselves in terms of self-love i'm a big advocate for self-love that's what changed my life that's what made me look at the life the world i live in you know which was hell i turned it into whatever paradise i wanted it to be so does that mean i'm living a fantasy every day absolutely not um it starts with self-care uh, it starts with my environment um, how, you know, that's, that's how self-love is, is projected into my life where I live, where I spend most of my time, I make sure it's tidy. I make sure it's organized because you don't want that to add to the stress that you have in your own personal life. Um, you go from there and, you know, now you got to have a purpose. And I usually try to ask myself four things to find a purpose. Um, you know, what, what do I love? What does the world need? Um, you know, what am I good at and what could I possibly get paid for? That gives you some incentive to keep fighting. That gives you some incentive to find your passion. Um, and by doing those things, you can avoid a whole world of, you know, wasting your time. Time is the most valuable thing. So if you treat time preciously, I think that that also helps. But, you know, surrounding yourself with, with people that are like-minded, uh, people that actually uplift you and, and support what you're saying and what you're doing. 
Um, and you know, some people, they, they enter your life and the whole time you thought that they were supposed to remain there and that there were a support system, but it turns out that they had their claws in you and that they were holding you back and they were dragging you into their world and veering you off of the path you were supposed to be on. So if you have self-love, you have you foundation to ground yourself and make yourself stable so that nobody can do that to you. Um, it, it's important to stay focused on your goals and stay focused on your world. So what I would say to men out there, voice yourself, let it out, because if you keep it in, um, it could lead to a whole world of, of uncontrollable thoughts, uncontrollable actions, and things that you'll end up regretting. So by letting it out, which I call steam valving, um, you create a healthy environment for yourself, healthy mind frame, and uh, you're able to fight for another day, every single day. I love that. And Jermaine, what would you tell the guys out there that are listening to this podcast right now? What was the, what was the question again? Always. If, if For the men that are listening to the podcast right now that are in the situations where you guys were, where they're, they're ready to give up, they don't talk about their feelings, they're bottled up and just bleeding, like basically like a ticking time bomb ready to go off. What would you say to that gentleman right now? that he could use to change that situation to get him over to the other side? First things first, uh, when, Drew's, when Drew spoke about uh, self-love, right? You got to know why you're doing something. And self-love is, I'm going to tell them and say, you know what? You got this stuff bottled up in you. And if you love yourself, you're going to have to release. You know, when we, when we run, when we work out, we release. We release sweat. You gotta continuously release. So crying, emotional release, it's gonna it's gonna relieve the pressure. And I'm gonna tell them, you you want to be more more like water. More more like water, not so acidity. You know, because you have you have a pop. You shake the pop. You keep the lid on. As you're shaking it, when you open it, it explodes. Mm. You know, you're you're like water. You're calm. Sometimes you can crash. Sometimes you can be you can be soft. So you shake the bottle. When you put down the bottle, it's still cool. So think about those things in you. So if we're taking in acid, which is poison, toxic, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and you're taking it in this bottle, and you're never releasing it, you're eventually going to explode. And not only you're going to explode, and when you explode, you're going to all the pain and all the sore, whatever that you had, is going to now bleed onto others. It's going to go to others. So you're going to end up hurting the people that you actually do care about. You know, people care about you. And I would say to them and say, if, this, if you think this is your last day, just give me one more day. Can you fight one more day? Can you, can you get to that tomorrow? And if he says yes, and then when we get to that day, I say, can we get one more? And if he says yes again, and then we'll keep doing that. And next thing you know, two weeks have passed, three weeks have passed, one month has passed. Can you get to another day? Because all we want to do is live to fight another day. Yeah. That's what they say. But that's what you have to believe. Live to fight one more day. They don't say live to fight another 10 years. Mm -hmm. Live to fight one more day, one day after the other. You know, anytime you're having the pain and you're sore, just fight one more day, man. It will, it will start to reduce. It'll get better. Just one more. And that's what I would tell them. I said, take one more step. When you're in that dark hole and you're in that dark tunnel, 
It's not dark forever, man. It's not. Just keep taking another step. Keep coming closer to the light. And eventually that light's going to shine brighter. And that's you as an individual. Don't let the things that hurt you take you out because it won't. Do not do that. Don't let the things that hurt you allow it to hurt others. Because if you take yourself out, you must have at least one person in your life that loves you. You do. Think about that person when you're going to do this act. And think about what they're going to feel when you do this. And I I know you don't want to hurt them. And I know you feel pain. And I know you feel it. And that's what I would tell him if I was talking to him. I know you feel it because I felt it too. And it damn hurts. But just fight one more day. That's all you have to do. Take one more step. You know, just like building a wall, it takes one brick. One brick. Just lay one good brick. Think about one good thought. And one good thought can lead to two good thoughts. And two leads to three. It's a compound effect. I don't expect you to think the whole world is great. You have 1,000 things and 999 are bad. Think about the one that's good. Focus on that one. Because then the other 999 don't even mean anything. Because your whole focus and attention is on the one that's good. And we're going to multiply that one that's good and we're going to make it 10. And then we're going to end up making it 100. And we're going to end up making a 1,000. So think about the one good thought, the one more step, and the one person that loves you. I love that. Focus on the one that I, if anything that anybody's gotten from this entire episode so far, it's focus on the one. And I I love what you said. Um, There's somebody that always loves you. Um, I've shared this part and several times over, but not in this episode, but um, my uncle actually took his life Christmas day, 24 years ago. And I, for 10 years, it was a journey of anger, bitterness, being pissed off and, and wanting others to pay for it. And it took quite honestly until I got healing myself. And, um, the one thing that I learned out of that, I'm like, he left notes for his kids, but he didn't leave notes for his parents and he didn't leave notes for his nieces and nephews. And he didn't leave notes for his brothers and sisters. And I thought, well, like, why would you do that? And I'm just, it's all coming here now, guys, out of this This is the first time I've shared to this degree about this situation. And I was angry at him for a long time. And uh, the one thing that kept me going was, I'm like, how could he do that to us? But not realizing, I I realize now, I realize there was obviously like he was mentally unstable. There was things in his life that he couldn't control. And there was things that he had done in his past that haunted him. Is, is what I've come to realize and not knowing that at that time. And I was in my twenties at that time. So I was still young. And, um, but what I realized was like, wow, to be that, to be in his situation where he thought that that was the only solution kind of devastated me to think like, wow, like we, he, we had such a big family at that time. Like, why couldn't he have just reached out to one of us? Right. And, uh, cause he come from a, a family of, uh, two, there was five kids in the family. I called the fab five. I don't know why I had to think about that now, but they were, uh, we, I called them the fab five. Um, so, and my dad was the oldest. And so I, I'm thinking like, why can not he just reach out to us? But to, to think that he was in that moment, that low, 
um, really um, affected me now that I've been on this healing journey myself and, and thinking, okay, I never want somebody to feel like that ever. And in the moments, and I'm not going to tell you that life has not been full of those moments for me where I thought, hey, crashing my car into a tree would be a hell of a lot easier. And I don't have to deal with this shit. I don't deal with the pain. I don't have to deal with, you know, all the crap that um, before and after. But what kept me, no, it was my nephews. And thank God my brother, thank God my brother, uh, at that time we were like, why did he do this? But he got, um, at a young age, he became a father. And those nephews is what's gotten me from point A to point B. Because I, uh, you know, uh, I helped raise the oldest one. Um, the mom took off at a, at a very young age. And so uh, my brother got custody. And, and then he ended up getting uh, married to somebody. And we won't talk about that. But anyways, I took the kids to go get their pictures taken. And and. I kept those pictures as a reminder. Every time I felt like giving up, I would either mentally think of that picture or I still have the picture around here. It's in a drawer. Uh, but I would take that picture out and think I will never let life take me to such a degree that I would end it because what message was that leaving for these kids? You know, and today when I still... I, I'm not saying I'm perfect. There's still days that I was just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I wish I was on a beach somewhere or life, you know, life would be a little bit easier if, uh, but I never give up because I, I remind myself still 20 years later of those, of those pictures. Right. So whatever you got to do, like Jermaine said, whatever you got to do, take that next step, the one step that's going to lead you to the next step. And as women, we have support groups, that we tie heavily into. And so I know uh, Drew has started uh, a, a really a men's vulnerability group. I don't know the proper name for it. So correct me. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But um, and I would like every male that is on here because yes, he's in the United States and two of you are from Canada, but that doesn't mean that we can't all connect. The pandemic has done one thing, great thing, and that is connect us all globally. So um, do you think Number one, besides Drew, are you guys connected to a tribe and has that helped you? And if you, we'll, let's start with that. So uh, we'll start with Andrew. Since I started Drew last time, we'll start with Andrew. Do you think, like, do you have a tribe? And has, if so, do you think that that has helped you get through uh, sometimes after the, that you're dealing with now? When you say tribe, uh, what exactly do you mean? Okay, so okay, so when a group of men that you can count on that help you um, thrive through to the next, like, so in my tribe, we have a tribe of there's eight women that we get together bi monthly now, and we do not let each other give up on each other's dreams. Like, we're there, like, if we could count on them, if we're going through something, we just reach out, and one of them is there to help lift, lift that person up. Do you have that in your life? Is is the guess the first question, and and if so, has that helped you? I would say yes, um, especially right now uh, doing these podcasts uh, every night with Jermaine and uh, my, my other friend uh, Bic. Um, that has been more healing than I thought it would be. Um, I actually thought like, that I already kind of healed on some of the, those things that we talk about, but once we do that, it, it just it's like more layers. And I, that's the one thing I noticed. There's always more to heal. It's never, it's a nonstop uh, process. And, uh, you know, 
in terms of um, men's vulnerability, I always, I'm an advocate for having an ace. I call it an ace. Have this one person in your life. You may not talk. I just spoke on this yesterday with Jermaine. You may not talk often. You may not hang out often, but you know, no matter what you're going through, whenever you pick up that phone, they're going to talk to you and they're going to give you sound advice. Every one of us needs one of those. So I do have one of those. That's my first cousin. And, um, you know, a lot of men, a lot of people, but a lot of men specifically are taking their lives because of a lack of encouraging word. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for us here to have this ability to speak on these things, um, that creates an environment for these men to to come and open up. Um, So my tribe is currently, I believe it's not done growing. I believe it's just getting started. But I know that the process started internally for me. Um, it, I may not be the, the chief, if you will, of the tribe, but I started the healing in here. And now I'm out here speaking to others. And we're, the one thing I love is there's three of us here and I ever, all three of us can learn from each other. There was supposed to be two others. If they were here, we would all learn from them too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have a different story, different paths. And I, I just believe that you know, when people isolate themselves, that's when the problems start. Mm-hmm. And so what we're, we're doing here, it's not only a healthy avenue for us, but it also shows these these vulnerable men or these men that need vulnerability that there is another door. And so that's that's what I would say. Okay. And Jermaine, what about you? Yeah, I, I have a, I would say to try. I have some good friends that, uh, Whenever I need to speak about anything of importance, they're going to be there. Uh, they know me for some years. They're supportive. They're going to give me sound advice. They're not going to just always agree with me, which is good. Mm. If uh, I'm doing something that's not correct, they'll check me on what's what's what I need. And then uh, also, yeah, I do this. You know, me and Drew, we've been doing this Facebook lives. And uh, another guy. So it's been good. It's been uh, it's uh, some wounds that I thought were healed, but weren't healed. And uh, I'm going back and trying to heal them. So it's allowing me to get out a lot of things uh, that I that I suppressed and bring to the surface. Because healing doesn't just start with what you eat. It doesn't start with what what you do. Sometimes it starts with what you uh, what you listen to, and what you get out. So every day I feel like I got a detox. You know that's my thing: detoxification, detoxing through sweat, through uh, detoxing through tears. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind sharing the tears now because if you notice, every time you share, shed tears, you become better, you feel better, because it's a release. Mm-hmm. And every time you go to work out and you sweat. It's a release. You feel better. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's a commonality. So release and then put something back into you. That's that's good. Just like you would when you're working out. I sweat. I release all everything toxins within my body. I replace it with good water, Mm -hmm. good hydration. I cry. I release all those whatever. It might be sadness. It might be happiness. All these things. Mm-hmm. And I take in something good the next day. And then eventually I'm healing my body. I'm healing my heart. 
my emotional is becoming better, my mental is becoming better, all because I'm willing to release. And before I was probably trying to think I was healing myself, but I never wanted to release. I didn't mind releasing through sweat, but I never wanted to release tears. Mm-hmm. Tell people, I said, it's okay to cry, you know, it's okay to cry, but uh, pick yourself up afterwards though and keep going. And, and that's what my, what my tribe would say. It's like, same thing what I would say to my tribe. You know, release, get out, everything out of you. Your frustrations, your angers, your, your anxieties, whatever it is that you're, what you're, what you're going through. But you got to get back up. <laughs> you you got to get back up. We can't keep crying forever. Right. Get Focus on up. the one. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get back up. So, you right. know, let it go and, and let it go. You know, wipe up your tears. Or like I would say, go back to your round. You know, you're fighting for three minutes. You go back to your round. You group yourself. And then you come back and fight again. Mm-hmm. But you can't stay in the round. You can't stay on the uh, on the stool forever, buddy. You got to get back out there and keep fighting again. At least until the end. If it's 12 rounds, let's fight 12 rounds. Because we have one life. And one life can be 12 rounds. And we're going to use it. You know, mm-hmm. anybody that's finished their life and they completed their life and they never gave up, everybody won. Right. Everybody won. Because you didn't quit. And the only way you quit is if, you know, you take your own life. Don't quit. Finish it up. Finish what you started. Keep going. And, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the day, it's a job well done. Absolutely. And Drew, do you have a, a tribe or uh, at least somebody that you could count on to? Uh, and if so, have, have you felt that that's been definitely like a game changer for you? Yeah, I mean, my basically my, my entire uh, youth and adulthood, I always made sure that in whatever arena I'm in, whether it's school, work, home, I had at least one mentor or a role model I can bounce something off of. And I always chose somebody who was already successful in that arena. You know? um, and what I, when I formed this men's, men's supporting men collaboration tribe, I recruited eight men across the country who have gone through hell and come through. And, and they're doing things for the community in all different ways. And I'll bounce stuff off of them. They're my, they're my founding members of my group. And I just utilized one the other day. I, my ex-wife is a boy, has a boyfriend. The boyfriend reached out to me. He wanted to talk with me because he sensed some things with my son. And he wanted to talk with me. Before he said anything, he wanted to make sure he and I were on the same page. And I'm sitting here thinking, this is my ex-wife's boyfriend wanting to talk to me. The old Drew started thinking. So I called one of my eight tribesmen, Rick. Who, and I said, hey, listen, the old Drew's starting to creep in my head. I told him the story. And you know, he said to me, he said, Drew, think about the last seven years, how much hell they have been because you've been at odds with your ex-wife. Now, this guy, if you say you can't trust him, you're going to convince yourself you can't trust him. And you will create somebody you can't trust. Think about that if you didn't have coffee with him because he wants to help you know, his girlfriend and help your son, think about how blissful the next seven years have been. I said, Wow. So I, I said, all right, help me craft an email to him. So he, and I said, Hey, you know, thank you. So-and-so I I really appreciate that idea. Let's meet for coffee. And I did, I met with him and it was unbelievable. And so now we're on, I'm healing in a different way. So yeah, there's, there's always, my recommendation with a tribesman 
is always see what the issue is you want to resolve or talk about and find somebody who succeeded in that area. Don't always go to the same person all the time for every issue. <laughs> Get have a tribe, like have multiple tribes. <laughs> and then you have to go to the person depending on what the issue is. That's what I've learned in my adulthood. Great adulthood. I, I love that. And can I just say one thing to that? As somebody who is the new wife, um, at, at the beginning, it, it was, and I, and I put myself into her position in her shoes where there's this woman coming onto the scene, uh, you know, and I truly respect her. She's the mother, but keeping that open communication and saying, listen, I'm not here to take your position. I'm just here to um, make everybody's life a little bit easier. Let's, let's put it that way. Right. Being a, a support to everybody and making sure that that little guy knows that he's loved, wanted and appreciated. Uh, so good for you for, and I can see at first it being very uncomfortable and trust me, it took us three years to get to the point where we could talk to each other openly. We now, um, on my son's birthday, we last year was the first time that we all got together on his birthday. We went out for dinner a family unit to share with him that way you know we just don't talk the talk we walk the walk and we're here for you and that's why we're here we're here for you so you know kudos for you for for doing that and so uh i know mark mark is back so mark thanks for for joining us so if you could share um you know your who you are your, your background and um i i did when you when you had to leave i did mention to the audience that you um you know that you're a fireman and that um the reason why we wanted you here is because you had lost six people in your department uh to suicide in the, in the last little bit so um that's the lead-in uh that i had left when you left so but i know you're much more than that you are an amazing guy and i want the world to know who you are and um a little bit about your story. Well, thank you. Um, hopefully, I don't have to go back out again because it's. Uh, I'm currently on, on duty right now, so you know, a good day for me is a bad day for a lot of other people. Um, I've been a firefighter since 2006. Um, without going into too many war stories, um, have realized over the last few years what mental health and what vulnerability really means. Um, <clears throat> I had a uh, an incident two years ago now uh, that kind of spurred that made me realize that I wasn't okay. Um, it was a, a three-year-old drowning, and it was right after my son's third birthday. The call went, we got him back, um, and, and Dorothy, you've heard the uh, the talk I've done on it. Mm -hmm. um, got him back two weeks later, found out he was brain dead. And uh, they took him off life support. Um, battled it for for six months of uh, you know before I found out actually exactly what happened and what the end was. And fortunately, found out that the family decided to donate, and five other children got a second chance at life because of the loss of that one. Um, but some of that happened from it to me is uh, I started having that feeling of. Uh, feeling my hands that I felt when we were trying to revive this, this young child. And it came back every time that I helped, you know, I went to hug my son to the point that it, it was painful for me to hug my son. Um, 
which made me realize that I wasn't okay. And through a lot of talking, a lot of opening up, um, I, I've been able to get to a point that I don't have that feeling anymore. And then it, it opened my eyes even more that if I'm going through this, who else is? And uh, encouraged me to join our peer support team with my department and to start being there for others. And the biggest thing is in, in our industry, and it's in the military, in law enforcement and firefighting, we have this persona of being almost larger than life, of being the tough guys, being those rocks, being that stable person, um, that we can handle anything. And yeah, when we put our proverbial armor on and jump on the truck, yeah, we can handle anything. But it's what happens when we get back, what happens before that call comes and what happens after. And realizing it that we're not taking care of ourselves because we have this stigma of being the tough guy that guys aren't becoming vulnerable and that leads to issues at home issues at work um you know it leads to a lot of substance abuse issues and uh guys not wanting to open up and talk and i found by sharing my story and by sharing myself and opening myself up with some of the issues that and things that i've dealt with especially with our, our junior members of our department it's encouraging them to open up and get more and get help to start talking now so they don't end up into a point that, that I was at. And unfortunately, you know, into a point that, you know, six of my brothers have been at where they ended up taking their lives. Um, so this is uh, mental health has become an extremely important thing for me because I've realized, you know, if it happened to me, it happened to anyone. And I don't want anyone to have to go through what I went through. So I heard a, a little bit talking about your tribe. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's your, your support structure around you. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I, I've built, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit. It's I don't have just one one little tribe that I, I deal with. I have you know, multiple little tribes within my you know my big tribe of people that I go to for certain things, and uh, you know people that will will check me, will listen, people that understand. Um, because there's a lot too in in this industry that you know, people can experience secondary trauma just by me sharing my stories and getting into the details. And my wife, a lot of times, like you share too many details when, when I talk to her and she's like, I, yeah, yeah, you ran a car. Accident. Okay, cool. No, no big deal. Um, you know, and, and I go into the detail that it can cause that secondary trauma. So having those people that you can rely on um, that understand that can listen to you and, and help you through it and just getting it out. And, um, you know, just being able to be real with yourself, to allow yourself to be real with others and and not be afraid of any judgment that may come. And I think that's the biggest thing, especially with men, is we're afraid that when we start sharing what our personal experiences, sharing what we go through um, and how we're feeling with others, that they're going to judge us. They're going to look at us as, as we're less than, that we're not there, you know, that we're not the tough guy. And that's the complete opposite. As I've gone through my journey, I've met, you know, worlds of amazing people, people that, you know, by the experience, just by, you know, first looks, by, you know, judging the book by the cover, you wouldn't expect that ended up being huge softies when we start talking and opening up their experiences and, you know, come to realize, and I'm sure everyone here is, has seen it, and I hope everyone listening, you know, watching this podcast, that one of the most courageous things you can do is being real with yourself and being real with others and being able to open up. Um, 
one of the bravest things you can do is to step up and say, hey, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And then just start reaching out for help and saying, hey, I'm not. I, um, you know, I don't identify myself as a firefighter. You know, that's what I do. I can't think of anything else that I would enjoy doing, love as much as what I am. Um, but, but first and foremost, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. Mm-hmm. And that's how I define myself. And I think, you know, far too often, um, especially in that industry with first responders, they define themselves by the job that they do. Mm-hmm. And they feel like they have to live up to those expectations. Uh, and, and thank you for sharing that, Mark, because I know that working with the veteran world and first responder world the last year and a bit, it's, it's like you're expected to put this, like you said, the cape on because you're the superhero, right? Um, but what people don't realize is once, once you're done, like you still have to deal with that trauma that you just seen, you know, running into a burning building and rescuing, a th- uh, rescuing somebody that that's going to leave um something there right and and if you don't deal with that um and then having the a stigma of oh just suck it up you know i i hate when i hear um people telling their kids just suck it up no why don't you just suck it up right because i'm like (laughs) don't i won't even start on that dirt road because sometimes that can be a little bit uh that's my trigger point uh working on that um but, you know, is, is that something that you guys feel that you've been told your life, like, oh, just suck it up, you know, and do you think that that's why you guys suppress things for so long? Um, because the society is like, no, just suck it up, man up, let's go. And I hate that term, man up. I hate that. I hate that. But that's, that's another one of my trigger points. Uh, but ha- have you guys dealt with that in, in, in your career? And, or in your lifetimes and whatever it, it whether it be at home or or in the workplace we'll start with mark oh 100 um you know that's i had a a young a junior member that i talked to recently going through a lot and you know, the guy's only been on two years on the job and he felt that he couldn't talk about it um, because of the stigma around it, because everyone's gone through it already. And he felt like, because he didn't have the time and it's like, you know, looking at him and, and talking to him about it, it's, this is the time to do it. Um, had I known back early in my career, what I know now, I would have started talking to people 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I got to find those, those things. And, and as I look back at my career, I found triggering incidents every time that my career started to go a little become a little rocky you know everything where it wasn't going as positive as i'd like to be i found something a common thread through the entire thing through my entire career every time it started to get a little rocky where and uh realizing now that how it affects me so i can do it um in the fire service we're having it's kind of interesting because that old suck it up buttercup and move on is changing because we're trying to bring more there's a shift there's a movement to bring more into the mental health and the mental hygiene and mental well-being and being able to be vulnerable and take the cape off that i'm seeing the old guard um the guys with with 20 plus years on that are still in that old old mentality of nope you can handle it if you can't handle it get out um and the young guys you know the 18 19 20 year olds that are coming in that 
you know, where it's more accepted in that generation to, to talk about what's going on. And I'm stuck right in between watching this happen in front of me, uh, which is really interesting seeing the change um, that it is becoming more acceptable to talk about. And we're not getting that. We're breaking down those barriers that, you know, there's a time that you have to suck it up and there's a time that you don't. Um, you know, for me personally, I take time every shift to go out back behind the firehouse and just look up at the stars and just sit out back and just, you know, listen to sounds of the area around me and, and disconnect from everything that's going on. Right. And I find that the nights that I don't do that don't go as well as the nights that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just taking that thing and, and taking that time for myself. Right. Um, I think I answered that appropriately. Uh, can I pick the next one? Andrew. I, what I was just going to say to that, I love it that the new generation is going to teach the old generation. Not that I'm calling you old, my friend, but I, I love how you said that, like the new is going to teach the, the, the veterans. So yes, we'll go to what Drew. Um, uh, what was the question I asked? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, suck it up. Yes, that's what it was. Suck it up, buttercup. Have you ever been told that? And if so... Um, you know, it, it, did that f- fuel you or put the fire out? Well, Andrew or Drew? We'll go, let Andrew go. Okay, Andrew, well, let's say Andrew. Because Jermaine calls Andrew Drew, and then I get confused. <laughs> so, Andrew, you go. <laughs> it, uh, I was actually in a class with six Andrews, so you can imagine how that went. Um, no, no, nobody really said that to me, but I mean... If I'm going to try to answer this question, I don't let other people delegate what I should be doing. I'm very self-aware. I know what I need. And I know what I don't need. And um, that mentality is damaging. In a moment that you could have uh, uplifted someone or encouraged them, you you almost you could have destroyed them, uh, essentially. So saying stuff like that, it, I find that to be a little ignorant. Um, but for me, I, I don't think I can answer because I, I, no one's really said that to me. I've never been in a position like that. Um, That's awesome. I definitely heard man up um, or that, you know, s- sort of the same thing, I guess. But I, I think it also depends on the context. You know, if you're playing sport and then your, your guys are competing against each other, that's the kind of trash talk you're going to hear. Uh, that's healthy. <clears throat> But in terms of when I was in a low moment, no one's ever said that to me in those times. So, um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that because I've heard it so many times that I, that, like I said, that is a trigger point for me. I just want to turn around and say, don't ever teach your kid that. Like, uh, allow them to be who they are. Allow them to express, because then you're just going to deal with forty year olds that have no idea how to be in a relationship. <laughs> you know, let's heal our kids so that we don't have to heal the man or the adult or the woman. The woman too. Like, seriously, Jermaine, have you ever had that experience where you've been told to man up or suck it up or suck it up, Buttercup? Well, not not uh, not exactly, but. You know, playing sports and playing sports at a high level, I mean, it's competitive. So you're going to, you're going to, you know, playing sports, you, you don't want to show emotion. You don't want to show it at all. You don't want to show any weakness. You don't want to tell anybody what you may be suffering with. You don't want to tell someone that's your, your agent. You don't want to tell anybody any of these things because they're going to take advantage. 
And sometimes what we did on the on the court or on the field or whatever we did, we did. We didn't realize that, okay, outside the court, you don't have to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, on the court, you know, there's a place and time for everything. On the court, you want to be a killer, to be honest. you That's what you want to do. You want to destroy everything. But off the court, you don't want to take that same mentality up. Because off the court, we should be uplifting and motivating, inspiring. Mm-hmm. And on the court, it's a different thing. But I tell people, I said, and and they sometimes would, they wouldn't uh, hit me. Because they're like, on the court, this guy must be a jerk. Mm-hmm. I said, I am on the court. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't have any mercy on the court. I don't care. I said, but off the court, I'm totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I care about individuals off the court. I care about you as a person. I don't care if you're going to, if you play sports or whatnot off the court. Mm-hmm. You know, I care about you as a person, as an individual. And uh, I just think sometimes when you when you're you play sports or you're athletic or you're male, and you're supposed to be have a certain image. You don't want to let somebody in to show where you're weak. You don't want them to know that you're vulnerable and even know that we're probably all vulnerable, but and we're all hiding it. Mm-hmm. And we're all probably going home and wishing that someone understood us, but guess what? Everybody's just like us as well. Mm-hmm. We forget sometimes that the other individuals are just like us. But the only reason why we don't know that they're just like us because they're hiding it as well. Right. So I think... You know, like I've had that with suck it up and I don't take it personal because but it depends on where we're at. Right. You right. know, if we're on if we're playing a sport and it's competitive, it's like, man, you gotta suck it up. Come on, let's go. Right. You know, now if, if you're at the low point, I'm telling you to suck it up. Well, that might be the wrong advice. <laughs> you know? A little bit, yeah. yeah I, I get that. So sometimes sometimes you have the right advice, but you're right. giving it at the wrong time. Right. You know? So someone could say, you know, like, don't play the victim, but depending on what situation they're in, that's appropriate or it could be not appropriate. Right. You know, it's great advice and we don't want to be the victim, but just look at the circumstance of where this person's at at this time that you're giving this advice. I love that you said you said there. There's a time and a place for everything. And I think it's a context. Um, yeah. I think the context I was... Uh, trying to make was like if if you know your your son's crying and you just tell them to suck it up right i, I don't think that that's appropriate i think you know and i'm not saying coddle him because you know there's a i think there's a fine line and a fine difference um you know when you're on the court i'm i'm with you i'm 100 competitive so i'm gonna kick your ass on the court but when it comes to like life and and teaching our our, our the next generation um or even hearing it ourselves, just suck it up. Like you've, you've gone to a call, like Mark said, you've seen some horrific things and your boss is telling you to suck it up and get out, get out there. That's wrong. In my opinion, um, we should be there for each other. Drew, what has your experience been through all that? Oh, you know, um, you know, not necessarily the suck it up, man up stuff, but the un- it's, it's always been underlying. Um, you take an example of even recently, there were three celebrities who were caught on camera crying. And immediately the next day on social media, there are all these memes of them crying. 
So that's what I mean about this underlying stuff that social media, the worst out there, and so is mainstream media, because it, they, they basically say it without saying the words. When you mock people, when they shed a tear and they happen to be on camera, shame on them. Um, so, you know, you, Dorothy, you know that I, I use the term man up. I actually, I was on a podcast and the host said, I'm redefining what it means to man up because my definition of man up is to utilize both strength and empathy. And what that means is be empathic and compassionate for individuals. The strength piece is keep strength around your self-identity. And I define self-identity as self-trust, self-worth, self-love, self-confidence, those four things. As long as you protect your self-identity and don't allow yourself to get walked all over, that's the strength piece. That's where it is to man up. And I actually, you know, I want to throw a piece of data out there, guys, because data tells a story. 85% of physical ailments are due to unresolved internal stress. So for those men out there, um, letting it out, releasing it, as James says, scientifically <laughs> helps you reduce potential physical ailments. It's like the body saying, hey, dude, you're not listening to me? Fine, I'll give you something physical because we pay attention the, to the physical, right? So think about that piece of data, 85% of physical ailments due to unresolved internal turmoil. Wow, that's powerful right there. Yeah. Yeah. I have one last question um, because I know we're past the hour and I do apologize. And if anybody has to really go, then I, you know, I appreciate your time. But I just have one question because I believe it's important. Like I said, I, I, I wanted this show to be all for the men, but I also want it to be for the, the, the women hearing this, you know, as a man that is going through a vulnerable time that wants to talk about it does not know the exact opening or or things like that as your spouse or as your wife what do you want your wife to do in those situations like how what how can we be there to support you like that's the question how can we support you men to be able to give you the keys to be open and vulnerable with us so that we can have, I say, I don't say happy wife, happy life. I say happy spouse, happy house. That is my thing. Um, because if, if my husband's not happy, I'm not happy. And I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the only woman out there that feels that I don't know, but I do know that, and I'm very empathic. So I know what something's going on and he doesn't tell me, but I know something's going on. Um, what is the be best way we can support you? So I'm going to go with Mark first. What is the best way we can support you? Oh, I was hoping you'd come to you last, but that's all right. <laughs> um, it, Honestly, I, I run into a situation because my wife has a background in, in mental health and mental health counseling. Um, so for me, with her specifically, she tries to, she falls into that therapist mindset. And it's like, I, I have to remind myself, I don't need a therapist right now, I need a wife. Um, but what it comes down to is just 
being able to listen and understand and just being there. Uh, we want to talk to somebody and you know, the person that we should be able to be vulnerable, the most vulnerable with should be our spouse or a significant other. And that should be judgment free because we should be able to build each other up. Same thing works, you know, if your spouse is, you know, if my wife is going through something and, you know, it's being able to be there and, and just listen. We just want to be heard because a lot of times in the circles we run in, um, you know, we're not always heard. You know, or it's that mentality that we don't want to open up right there because we don't want to be perceived as, as weak or, or less than. Uh, so it's just being supportive, being that ear, being that shoulder to cry on and not trying to fix anything or give advice just to, to listen. And that's for me, that's the biggest thing. I just want someone to listen. And uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Just that, that shoulder to cry on and that, that empathetic ear. Perfect. Thank you so much. So Drew, I'm going to go to you next. And I know that you guys, I, I know you guys have been divorced and, and through that, but for your future spouse or future girlfriend, what is it that you would like them to know? Well, for me, you know, you hear people say 50%, 50%, it's a hundred percent, hundred percent. First of all, in a relationship, I got to give a hundred percent. She's got to give a hundred percent. What I educate a lot of people, what I will do for the future girlfriend, future wife will be, the first three words in every sentence are the most important three words, uh, most important yeah. words in this sentence. So for, uh, please, without judgment, please just listen. You know, it's setting expectations. So the 100% accountability on the man to set expectations with the woman by saying, I just need you to listen. I'm just venting. Please don't judge. And I'm not looking for advice. I'm just, you know, started out there because then, then the hundred percent accountability falls on the woman to respect that. Um, what I have seen a lot is a woman may give their man permission to be vulnerable. The man will do it. And body language speaks volumes. The woman will roll eyes, shrug shoulders, or huff. That's going to get the man to shut down. So if you give permission to your man to be vulnerable, pay strong attention to your body language. You need to believe it and mean it when you say it because what a lot of women do do is shame. And Brene Brown has a great talk on, on shame. So I would, I would do first three words in every sentence. Man, you're, men, you're 100% accountable with that. And women make hundred be a hundred percent sure that when you give permission for your man to be vulnerable, that you mean it and you watch your body language. Thank you. Lindsay, what would you say? What was the question again? So to your future wife or, or girlfriend, what advice would you give to her uh, to so that she could support you in being open, vulnerable, and, and having that connection in the relationship? Um, you know, when it comes to human behavior, I think the best thing is sharing the personal story. Uh, you know, so in those moments, if she notices I'm having a rough time, the best way to get me to open it up would be to share something that she can, you know, kind of resonate with me. Um, but attentiveness is always something uh, that I, I agree or, or I, I would say. And, um, you know, wake up every day. And ask yourself, how can I make my my partner's life easier today, every single day? And when you wake up with that mentality, it really it, it changes your approach. And like like Drew was saying, we shut down when you shame us. Well, if you remove that veil, now we can actually see each other for what we are, 
and we can conversate. And the idea is to create a comfort zone between you two where you can be vulnerable with compassion and zero judgment. Because, you know, compassion is the opposite of judgment. And, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're encouraging and not, not deflating. You want to make sure that you're you're op you're opening your arms and not you know turning your back. Um, and I think a lot of people with their like like Drew kind of nailed a couple things by your know, body language is key. You got to be engaged. About, you know, look at me and talk to me with a tone that you care, not not in a way, you know, that you're dismissive and my problems don't matter. Uh, so that that's kind of what I would say. I love that. Thank you. And Jermaine, what would you say to your girlfriend or future spouse um, that you needed in order to be able to be vulnerable and to open up and to um, be you? See, everything, you know, since I got diagnosed with cancer, uh, my whole thing is to look within. I look at, okay, if I want to share and I want to make this relationship better, I'm going to be the first person to Right, because I think it takes a lot of strength to show your, your vulnerability first. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what's on me. So as I share my vulnerability, she shares hers. You know, and then the lines become open. So instead of saying, what can you do for me? What could I do for myself? Because sharing to me is almost selfish, right? I got to get this off my chest. You know, whether she's listening or she doesn't, and still feel the sense that I got it off my chest. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully she will embrace that and will understand and listen, right? And, and that's what we were hoping. And I don't want a solution to the problem because sometimes you just want to, you know, it's like Mark said, you want an ear to listen. Yeah. And you don't want a solution. You just want to vent and get it off your chest and then maybe and say, okay, well, what do you think about this? Now, if I don't say what do you think about it, that means... I don't really want a solution. You know, I want to. I want to figure it out. I just wanted to say it out loud, and I didn't want to talk to myself. Right? Can I just say thank you, guys, because you really have helped me in this. Because as somebody who is a fixer and wants to, I don't want to fix him. I want to fix the problem. Uh, uh, you really opened my eyes to just allow him to be who he needs to be, be supportive, be there when he wants to talk. And not making him wrong for anything, making sure that my body language and my tonality and everything is there and just listen to what he's got to say. You don't have to fix it. No. And that takes the pressure off her too. Cause as women, well, myself, I, I'm not, I know I'm not the typical woman as myself, you know, we feel the pressure over here that we have to be everything for him too. So we don't, as long as we're open in communication, like Drew said, you know, what our needs are, this is what I need you from you right now, just to listen. I think by stating our intention first, that's powerful for both of you. Sure. I got another little piece for you, Dorothy. You'll love this one. The human brain is pretty amazing. So men and women. So physically the male brain, we can shut off and not think of, not be thinking about anything. The female brain cannot shut off, is always about thinking. So, so when a woman asks a man, what are you thinking? And the man says nothing, he's telling you the truth. 
you know, and as a woman, go, that's something I don't understand. Yeah, and women will go back and say, "No, really, what are you thinking?" So you're create making the man make up something that he was thinking, and then you're not authentic. Let him be his authentic self. If we say we're not thinking about anything, we can do that. Thank you, Drew. I I have learned that, and I put it into practice. But there's still part of me that thinks, "How can that be possible?" Yeah. But <laughs> thank you for for saying that, guys. I just want to thank you so much for being here today, to, for giving up your, your Monday night, uh, for being here. And this is a powerful episode. Like I, the amount of people's lives are, 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 are being changed from this episode alone. Um, we'll never, I guess we'll never know until we get to heaven, you know, what, what that's going to be like, but thank you so much for sharing your story, for being vulnerable and authentic, uh, for, you know, just sharing from the heart, uh, because I know when we share our story, we, we help other people. Um, if you would like, I, for the especially for the coaches uh, and anybody, if you want to tell us where that we can get a hold of you. Uh, so if any man wants to, like, if anybody wants to join your group, your um, men's vulnerability group, true, or you know, share where we could reach you. Um, and we'll go from there. So who, whoever wants to go first. Okay, Drew, go first. <laughs> uh, my website is Profit Compassion. So P-R-O-F-I-T, Compassion, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-I-O-N.com, where you can email me at Drew at ProfitCompassion.com. Love to have a chat. Okay. Uh, Andrew, did you want to give out your information? Yes, uh, my life my lifestyle coaching uh, contact is Mason Soul Solution. Uh, you can reach me at M A I S O N Soul S O U L Solutions. Um, I'm on Facebook, uh, Instagram, and uh, I don't have a website as of now, but I will. Awesome, and Jermaine. Uh, I'm on. Well, I'm on Facebook. Just look up Jermaine Jackson. Uh, me and a few guys, we started a little uh, talk, pretty much men's talk, similar to a podcast type thing, where we uh, share a lot of our vulnerabilities, just tips, different tips about uh, how you can improve your oneself. Uh, also, I do a transformation business where I take individuals that are overweight. I try to I try to work on their mental as well as their physical. And that will be on you to find that information on my Facebook as well. Uh, my Instagram is Jermaine, J-E-R-M-A-I-N, uh, three in Jackson. And you can find me on Instagram. So there's a lot of information there and uh, doing a lot of things as far as men. And, uh, you know, even you guys, I would love you for you guys to maybe join us to keep this going. Absolutely. And Mark... Um, I don't know if you, you want to talk about heroes, badges, and warriors. I wasn't sure. <laughs> what, my favorite subject? Yeah, your favorite subject. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I recently started with time at Dorothy, um, working with uh, Heroes, Badges, and Warriors, um, which focuses on mental health recovery of our veterans and first responders um, through horses, barbecue, and water, through animal events, food events, and then water-based events, sailing, fishing, um, kayaking, canoeing, and with, with more to come. Uh, we're in the process of starting up some um, social events 
to bring people together to become vulnerable, to break down some of this stigma that we have. Um, you can find our website at ourhbw.life um, or email us directly at ourhbwlife at gmail.com. Um, if you want to get involved, want to help out, uh, see what we have going on as we build and grow um, and, and help more people. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I just want to give one last shout out to our sponsor of the show, uh, Be Oily with Bonnie, for all your doTERRA oil needs. Uh, get a hold of Bonnie. She is actually uh, certified in the Aromatech technique. So definitely get a hold of her. Go to www.beoilywithbonnie.com or give her a call or text at 810-414-0929. And again, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here, sharing your stories, opening up uh, so that other men too know that they're not alone. And for us women, we now have a better understanding of what you guys go through, how we can be a support system to you. Uh, so again, um, go like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. I continuously to watch this episode and share it with other people because I this this episode was extremely powerful. So thank you again, guys, uh, for being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Be unstoppable in all you do, guys. See you same channel, same time next week. Bye for now.